0: Let's turn the Bibles to Romans the 8th chapter, Romans the 8th chapter, and, and, and I want to begin at verse 1 one more time, and just so we can get the whole picture of the thought in the midst of it, that, that we can reflect back on what we've been hearing, and today let's work our way down to verse 11. So Romans 8, 1 through 11, I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. In the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life Because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father we give you thanks for your word. And and Lord I pray now that you would pour out your spirit upon us. Lord, help us to learn more of who you are, to learn more of Christ, to learn more of the Holy Spirit that indwells your children. And Lord, help us to see you. Help us all to see Christ. Lord, draw us to yourself, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Let's let's put up verse 6. For to be carnally minded is evil. Death, and we talked about this quite uh, a bit last Sunday. Uh, carnally minded, the ESV will read, "For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace." And as talked of the contrast of the two spiritual conditions, the two spiritual identities, and and, and what statements of fact. I want to put it that way because that's what it is. This is a statement of fact according to the Word of God. To be carnally minded, to have a mind set on the flesh is death. Spiritual death. But to be spiritually minded, to have the mind of Christ is life and peace. Eternal life and peace with God. Only two possibilities. We've talked about it for weeks and months. Only two possibilities either in the spirit or yet in the flesh, talking spiritually. Now let's go to uh, verses 7 through 9. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me pause there for a moment. They cannot please God because they are enemies. They are hostile toward God. And let me just say this. I'm sure you know a lot of good people that are lost. That you know a lot of good moral people that are not born again. And perhaps they do many good things that we would say are good. Perhaps they give to charities. Perhaps they do many benevolent things. But without Christ, without the Spirit indwelling them, they are lost and hostile toward God, just as the, the most evil one that you could think of. There is no categories and degrees of lostness. You're, you're either with Christ or you're without Christ. They cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So what's it saying? So I believe according to this verse nine, what what is the true I don't know if I want to say test, but what is the true mark of saving faith? The indwelling spirit. Verse 9 says the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. And don't be confused with this in referring to the same essence of God or the same expressions of God. Let me read from John Stott as he talked about this very thing because here within this we had the Spirit, we had the Spirit of God, we had the Spirit of Christ. Now listen, John Stott, quote, We have seen that being in the Spirit is the same as having the Spirit in us. Now we have the Spirit of God. Now we have the Spirit of God is also called the Spirit of Christ and that to have the Spirit is to have Christ in us. This is not to confuse the persons of the Trinity by identifying the Father with the Son or the Son with the Spirit. It is rather to emphasize that although they are eternally distinct in their personal modes of being, they also share the same divine essence and will. In consequence, they are inseparable. What the Father does, He does through the Son. And what the Son does, He does through the Spirit. Indeed, wherever each is, there are the others also. End quote. And I thought that was a pretty good uh Explanation of the the Trinity and and of of the Spirit and of the Father and of the Son. And this we know. The truly born again person has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Those who are still carnal, those who are still in the flesh, unbelieving and hostile toward God, do not. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So the indwelling Spirit is the differentiating mark between a believer and an unbeliever. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. They're not saved, they're not born again, they're not born of the Spirit. They are yet only a child of the flesh. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in in John 3 verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Uh, Every born-again believer has the Spirit indwelling them. And again, the indwelling Spirit is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And what does that mean that the Spirit indwells the true believer? Let's talk about that a little bit this morning. That Greek word, if I can can kind of delve into that for just a moment. The Greek word for dwell is oikio, which comes from the Greek word for house. It means that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has made His home in you. He has become a permanent residence. This is where He resides. This is His home. So, child of God, do you know who you are? 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you have been bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Know this about yourself, fellow believers. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Never forget that. Can, Can you fathom that? If you are born again, the Spirit of God lives, dwells in you. He has made His home in you. He has bought us at a great price, and He didn't purchase us to lose us. He bought us to have us and to keep us. He is the owner of the house. He is a permanent resident. He's not someone who rents for just a little while and he leaves. He is a permanent residence and will never leave. Now, child of God, think about that. Do we we consider that every moment that we live, even? That we have a power within us, not of us, but in us. And that is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You are never without Christ. The Holy Spirit, Christ in us. In John 14, verses 16 through 18. This is Jesus and he says, And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Will he ever leave? What's it say? He will abide with you how long? Forever. And what is this helper? Helper. Verse 17, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, that echoes what Paul has been saying, does it not? They cannot please God, they don't have the spirit, nor they can't. They can't understand. They they have not the spirit. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. How, how can we know him? For he dwells with you and will be in you. And in verse 18 he says, and I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. <laughs> Isn't that a great promise? And we know this has been fulfilled. The Holy Spirit in you, child of God. Christ in you. And because Christ is in you all the time, now listen, the Spirit will have a a decisive influence on your life. I'll let you think about that for a moment. Because Christ is in you, the Spirit of Christ is in you, that divine influence will be evident in your life. If you are born again and have the Spirit. Because, you know, I'll, I'll say this, I, I said it will have an influence, a decisive influence. Will, will the Holy Spirit be the only influence on our lives? No. No, I'm not trying to be tricky here. No, it will not be. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. They'll all try to influence our lives. They'll all try to tempt us or lead us astray from the Lord. And while still here in this mortal body on planet earth, we, we have these influences. But the Holy Spirit is the divine and ultimate de- decisive influence on the truly born again. Because the Spirit is in us. And He's transforming us from the inside out. The the Holy Spirit is not on the outside barking out commands to us to try to fulfill. He is in us. He's working a new heart and a mind conformed to Christ so that we might do what the Word of God commands. The Spirit in us. Uh, Let's look at verses 10 and 11 in Romans 8. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, let me pause. Now, we have read uh, here in Romans, Paul's have said that, that we have died to sin. I think this goes even farther. I think when it says the body is dead, I, I believe this could also mean that the mortal body will die. In Adam all died. Not only spiritually, but physically. Death came because of Adam. Because of sin. And so this is the one thing where the believer and the unbeliever are the same. The one thing. These bodies will die. Whether a believer or an unbeliever. Someday, these bodies will die. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, our complete and final redemption comes when we are resurrected just as Christ was. Uh, We could go down to Romans 8, verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have the not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly awaiting, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. You see, the final, and again, uh, if I could say stage, or the final part of our redemption will be receiving a new glorified body. And child of God, know this. Your resurrection is as certain as Christ's resurrection, Amen. Your resurrection is as certain as Christ's resurrection because the Spirit who raised Him from the dead dwells in you. Can you are you grasping that? The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, child of God, indwells you, is in you, and will one day raise you. I pray that we can get a glimpse of the marvel of all of this. Let's 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 read. I love this portion in First Corinthians 15. We'll read from 50 through 58. It talks about the mortal body. So here's Paul, and he's talking, and he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. You shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. So we're not going to stay in the grave, child of God. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, where the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. (laughs) O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Though we will have trials, tribulations, and a multitude of things that we experience on this earth, it will be worth it all. It will be worth it all. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? Oh, for those who are in Christ, for those who have been born again, for those who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, glory awaits us. Glory awaits us. We've talked about the indwelling Holy Spirit, and there may be someone who would, ask the question, well, how do I know? How do I know that the Holy Spirit indwells me? How can I know that? Well, let's let the Word of God tell us. Let's go down now to Romans 8. Let's read verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are sons of God. This is the born again. This is those who have the Spirit indwelling them. Verse 15, For you did not receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received, I get this, the Spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, now listen. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let me pause. Now let's, let's ask that question again. How do I know? How can you know that the Spirit of God is in you? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, with our being. You you have a capital S, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, bears witness with our spirit, little s, that's us, that's our being. That we are children of God. And then listen, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. The distinguishing mark between a believer and an unbeliever is the indwelling Spirit. So what's... then? But but how do I know? Is it some feeling? How do I know? Well, let me say this. Does your life bear evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm not saying, and I don't believe the Word is saying that you live perfectly all the time. But it is the practice of your life to follow the commands of God. It is the practice of your life to please Him as best you can being led along by the Spirit and by the truth of the Word of God. Let's go to Galatians 5 and let's read. Galatians 5:22 through 26. But the fruit of the spirit Okay, this will be what is evident in a life of a true born again child of God who has the spirit indwelling them, the fruit will bear witness of that. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. For those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, as we read through that list perhaps some of you were convicted even as we read it in certain areas that is a weakness for you there perhaps the lord is still bringing you along but what is number 1 what was first the fruit of the spirit is love Love mentioned first. And it seems to me, and when we've preached on this before, it seems to me that everything hinges on love. The evidence that we are born again and have the indwelling spirit hinges on love. In John 13 verses 34 and 35, here's the reason I say that. This is Jesus And he says this a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, listen listen to what he says. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love. Do you love? Do you love others? And not just love your brothers and sisters in Christ. But do you love even your enemies? Even to the point that you would lay down your life for them. Is that not what Christ did for us? That we were all enemies of God. All of us. But yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do we love? Do we love? In John 15 verse 11 through 15. These things I have spoken to you, this is Jesus again talking, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. Now let me pause there. Well, what has he commanded us to do, and what we've read so far from him? He's commanded us to love one another. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you to do. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. I have made known to you. Now we read earlier. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of what? Adoption. Adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So, child of God, do you know? Do you know that you have been adopted by the Heavenly Father? Uh, remember, we, we read in John 14, 18, he said this, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. In 2 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Adoption. Ephesians 1, verses six, uh, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, which He chose of, his gl- of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Have you ever asked yourself, why would God choose me? If you've, if you've never thought that, perhaps you need to think that. Why would He choose you for adoption? Because of love. Because of great love, which he loved us. Why did he choose the children of Israel to set his presence before them? Why did he choose them? They were nothing, they were just a ragtag little bunch. Why did he choose them? Because of love. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. It's by His will, by His good pleasure, by His great love. 1 John 5, verse 13. Now listen, listen to this. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may what? Know that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know and that you may continue to know Those who persevere to the end shall be saved. You want to know? Yeah, one day I believed, and guess what? I'm still believing. And I'm still believing. And I'm still believing. And I'll continue to believe until He calls me home. Perseverance of the saints. Enduring to the end. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You're probably sitting there right now thinking, I know where He's going, and you're right. The evidence of genuine salvation, the indwelling Holy Spirit that comes to those who believe. I want to read some passages again today in John 3, verse 14 through 18. We read them last Sunday. I may read them every Sunday that I preach the word as long as I live. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, lifted up on the cross. Why? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. What did Paul say? There is therefore now what? No condemnation. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But all the tragedy. (laughs) But, But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Why would that be? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. For those in Christ, no condemnation. We will stand before God the Father. Our Father. We call Him Father because we have been adopted by Him. And we will stand before Him, wholly blameless, above reproach, clothed in a robe of righteousness, not of our own. Because Christ took our condemnation for us upon the cross. But those who are apart from Christ, there is only condemnation waiting for them. The born-again believer has eternal life. The unbeliever has wrath and everlasting death awaiting them. John 3 verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Romans 10 verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe? Is it a certainty? Do you know that you have the indwelling Holy Spirit? Because we have read from His Word today that you may know. With all certainty because His Spirit will bear witness to you. And you may know because you will see at least glimpses of the fruit of the Spirit being worked out in your life by the Holy Spirit that is in you and working in you. Because you're being changed, you're being transformed. Yes, you've already been changed into a new creation, but through this life that we're living through, the sanctification that we're going through while here on this earth, where the the dross is being removed from our lives and we're being made more and more into the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is in us and moving. When you sin, does it bother you? When you sin, are you convicted by that Holy Spirit that is in you? Because if not, I, I I can't fathom that. That if the Holy Spirit is in you and you commit a sin, and that Holy Spirit that is in you does not convict you, perhaps there's no Holy Spirit there. Preacher, you're kind of scaring me here. I wish you'd shut up and stop. But how important is this? That you may know. And that you may continue to believe. It's Second Corinthians 13. 5. That, that we all would do this. What did Paul say? Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. And what he's meaning there, is Christ in you? Because if not, you are disqualified from redemption and salvation. If the Spirit of God is not in you. And so Paul says, examine yourselves, unless you've been di- disqualified. Who qualifies us? Do we do it? No. No. It, it, it is Christ. And, and I'm going to read a, a portion from Colossians 1. Isaac read from Colossians 1 this morning. Let's go to Colossians 1. Let's read verses 9 through 14. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He's talking to the children of God. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let me pause there for a minute. If you truly are born again child of God, you will be increasing in knowledge. Amen? Is that not what the Word says? Are you increasing in knowledge? Do you hunger and thirst for the Word of God? Verse 11 strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. It is God who has qualified us to be His children. It is God who has done the adoption papers, if you want to put it that way. It is God and His great love. Verse 13 he has delivered us. Put yourself in the verse, child of God. He has delivered me from the power of darkness and has conveyed me into the kingdom of the Son of His love and whom I have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that the Holy Spirit indwells you? Then perhaps You say yes, but I've not been living like I know I should. And and I know the the spirit that is in me has been convicting me of certain things, but I've kind of tried to muffle it out and shove it to the side. Well, perhaps it's time to wake up. Perhaps it's time to repent of those things. And to turn to Him and follow Him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. let let us let, close with this one one last portion of scripture from first peter first peter one thirteen through sixteen if you are truly born again remember we read from first peter uh this morning talking about that saving keeping power of of Christ and so for those who are in christ through those who have the 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 in spirit the holy spirit indwelling them it says here therefore Gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, be watchful. Knowing that you have the mind of Christ. We talked about that, I believe it was last Sunday. Be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this, verse 14. As obedient children... I'd ask every child of God here, and I must ask myself the same thing. Am I being obedient in all the things that He is calling me to do and to be? As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. What's He saying? Let me pause there. He's saying, don't keep on trying to live like what you used to be. In the flesh and without the Spirit. Don't try to live that way. That's not who you are anymore. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy. Oh, now listen to this. You also be holy in all your conduct. Well, well, I I don't know if I can do that. Verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Child of God, we can be. Out of our own strength, but because who do we have in us? You see that? We can live holy, and He calls us to live holy. And the only way we can is to forsake the old man. Don't try to go back and live like that anymore. But to keep looking to Jesus, to keep feasting on his word, keep trusting him, and be led by the spirit that is in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word and Lord, at least to me, it seems very clear of of the distinguishing mark of those who are yet lost in the flesh, unredeemed. And it is because they have not believed the gospel of Christ. And Lord, should there be someone who is heard the sermon, or will at a later point listen to the sermon who is yet lost in their sin, I, I pray Lord that you could do a work, a, a, a miracle that only you can do in drawing them to yourself in opening their eyes that they might see your truth and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ Lord that it, it is only you who can call someone just as, as Christ called to Lazarus who has been dead for days. Lord, when you call that one who is yet dead in their trespasses and sin, <laughs> just like Lazarus, they will come forth. Just being in the tomb, the light will shine in, Lord. And we know that because you have done it in our hearts. So Lord, form that miracle. Shine light into darkness. Raise the one who is dead to spiritual life, Father. Help them to see you, most high, most holy, righteous God. And Lord, upon getting a glimpse of your holiness, conviction of sin, immediately would pour over them. They would fall before you. And Lord, as they're crying out to you, grant them repentance as they confess their sins. Lord, grant them faith that they might believe and receive Christ as Lord of their lives. And the Holy Spirit will indwell them immediately. And then help them, Father, by the truth of your word, and by the power of the Spirit that is in them, To live the remainder of their days serving you with all joy and gladness. and Father, for us who are born again, may we do the same. May we not become lax. May we not let down our guard. But Lord, that we would always be vigilant. Lord, give us all, help us all that we might have a hunger and thirst for your word, that we can go to it, we can read it, and it will strengthen us, that that the Holy Spirit that is in us will help us to learn. Lord, I pray that we would all have a desire to grow in knowledge of you, knowing more of who you are and knowing more of who we are in Christ. So, Father, help us. Help us to never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us always be ready to give a, a witness, to bear witness of, of, of why we believe. So may we know what we believe. May we be able to tell others and may we be able to take them to passages of Scripture to show them. So, Father, help us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.